Hello and welcome to an all-new edition of Talking Football Extra, Aufstieg Edition. The coaching carousel in the Bundesliga 2 has gained some serious momentum. Coaches are being let go right, left and center. And what on earth is up with Lok Leipzig these days? So many headlines and few of them are very good. Those are the talking points for this edition of our podcast. My name is Nick Wiltang. Joining me is a man who threatened to quit the podcast after his team went on a negative run after... He started participating on the show. I'm glad to say that all of the Zampauli players have apparently been listening to our show and they finally, finally, finally have gotten their act together. So I'm glad to say I'm once again joined by our expert on refereeing decisions and Groundhopper Supreme, Mike Krickemeyer. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me on. And yes, of course, when we started to plan the dates of this uh, show, we had not on our minds that... Every time we do this, St. Pauli has an away game before our show. So this was a little bit challenging. But yeah, like you said, this weekend, everything went fine. Everything went fine for you. How about you, uh, Jasmine Baba, our tactics expert, joining us all the way from Darmstadt? I feel like maybe me and you, Nick, need to quit or threaten to quit <laughs> these few weeks. It hasn't been the most fun for either of us. Um, but yeah, busy week, but good. Yeah, so... Um, Marcus Anfang, are you listening? Uh, <laughs> all right, in part one, we'll be diving straight into the, all the latest from the Bundesliga 2. And in, in part two, we'll be taking a detour to one of the real teams of Leipzig. And given that he is here, I'm sure that Mike will have a new ground that is worth visiting lined up for you at the end of our show. Let's get going with our podcast then. And the thing that has struck me is that there is some panicking going on already in the Bundesliga 2. Three coaches have been fired. One has taken his hat voluntarily since we spoke last. So after match day five, Erzgebirge Auer decided it was a good idea to say that their newly hired head coach, Alexei Szplewski, needed to pack his bags and leave, 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 leave the Erzgebirge. And at the same time, Sandhausen decided that it was time to cut their losses. And Ole Werner over at Holstein Kiel said, well, enough is enough for me. I'm leaving. And you would say, well, that, that's been a lot of action since you spoke last. But no, it doesn't stop here. After match day six, Ingolstadt decided that they needed to change badly. Uh, so they hired Andre Schubert after they let go of Roberto Petzold. Additionally, they even let go of their sporting director, Zier. And Sandhausen brought in Alois Schwartz and our have hired Mark Hensel. So guys, do you think that any of these coaching changes are going to make a big impact? And have they actually come as a surprise to you, given that the four sides we're talking about all are currently in the bottom five? No. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the manner of which... Actually, Kiel was a surprise. I think both... Him, Ole Werner actually leaving and the manner of which in that he left, I wasn't surprised in a way because I've voiced my opinion before that, especially the psychological toll of last season, I felt like a clean break might have been needed. But then I always thought Ole Werner could also pull them out of it. It was sort of like a Favre-esque move. You know, you remember Lucien Favre going like five or six matches on the bounce, losing all of them uh, for Borussia Mönchengladbach and then saying, no, I'm quitting, I'm out of here. 
with Max Ebert just sitting there, please don't leave. <laughs> and and that that is kind of what has happened here, isn't it? Yeah, it really has. And I get it. I, I get it. And as I said, maybe this is the right choice. I, I feel like he, if he stayed, he could have gotten them out that route. But again, that psychological toll of nearly getting promoted, not after the season they had, it's probably best to clean break for everyone. What will be interesting now is the choice that they make, because I've seen uh, Marcus Kalsinski been rumoured and quite high up the list, which is surprising for me, who touted him for the Sandhausen or our job. You've obviously got Toon touted as well. I don't think either of them fit Holstein Kiel's philosophy and how they play football, and I think it would be quite hard for them to fit in, either one to fit in at starting out. So yeah, really weird that one just the whole atmosphere about it is weird the other three probably not surprising at all i could probably mention one or two clubs that i'm just a bit surprised that they haven't gone already <laughs> mike what were your thoughts when you saw those headlines running in and uh, you know the the kicker app going mental with push notifications from the bundesliga too yeah well first of all there are many former st Pauli names are uh, rumoring at the moment because markus koczynski he's not only in kiel but also in our and um, probably also at all the other places <laughs> and um, I, i personally i totally agree with jasmine he will not fit into kiel But on the other hand, there is another person with a uh, St. Pauli background, Uwe Stöver, in, in place as a manager. But on the other hand, I think he knows Markus Kaczynski good enough that he will not fit into Kiel. So I would be really surprised if he goes there. He might go to Auer. That wouldn't surprise me that much. But on the other hand, in the past, they had quite, well creative solutions on the trainer position so probably they will find something else again on the other hand there is Helge Leonhardt their chairman and um, I don't really believe that someone who, who might be the smartest part of uh, the smallest part of being clever will go to our with that chairman so maybe <laughs> we will end up with uh, Kauczynski in our so <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it this way. Um, yeah, the other ones, uh, I, I think Kiel would have never fired Ole Werner. It was the only way that he went himself. Yeah, maybe they, they come up with also an internal solution. They have the Bremser at the moment. I think he is not allowed to stay because he does not have the license. Um, they also have Fabian Boll, another former St. Pauli player, but I think he's also not eligible to do that so um yeah they, they they need to find someone and they will um, but let's wait and see what comes up there and the, the, the biggest impact nevertheless will be done in kiel but not because there is a new trainer but just because they are too good to stay at the bottom well there you go uh is fabian ball done as a policeman He quitted, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you can pause the job for a longer period, but I think, if I remember correctly, one or two years ago he quitted totally. But don't quote me on that. 
Well, I mean, uh, a little bit of a trivia question here. Uh, which former national team player used to work as, an, as a policeman? And this is a guy who was had his heights during the 90s, maybe even late 80s. Not a clue. <laughs> yeah. I pass. He has a funny last name to many Englishmen. Stephen Kunz? Yes! <laughs> there I'm you really? go. There you go. He used to work as a policeman. But anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> Jasmine, have you spotted anything differently about Zantausen or Hour after their new men have taken charge? I mean, they've, they've been there for, for a match now. Is, is there any big difference to those two sides other than maybe the results going in a slightly more favorable direction this weekend? Well, just a little bit on Hour because they've got a bit of a weird situation because they really want Mark Hensel to be... A permanent coach but obviously he doesn't have the Fussballwerder title either so they're just looking for a random pro license maybe Kelsinski but I think Kelsinski would want to be more of the main role there so it's a little bit messy just because obviously they, they're in a bit of a situation and I think it was good for them to get rid of um, Spurlewski when they did he was such a RB blueprint manager in the way of pressing and intensity and obviously wanted to, to get rid of all the older players to play in the way that he wanted. That blew up in his face. And there's a few rumours going around that the last couple of games, the players were actually playing against him. So against the Regensburg match, their attitude, you could see, was a, a lot better because it takes a lot to come back from a 2-0 two nil, two down from, what, 11 minutes in, to come back and draw 2-2, two, two, and it was kind of heartbreaking for them to concede in the dying moments. So our players are definitely capable of staying up. It's just a matter of seeing the kind of solutions they have on the pitch. It's early days. Sandhausen, because we talked about them in depth last time, I think they actually do have the quality and now the coach to stay up they've got someone who's been there for three years already he, someone who'll get them playing in a Sandhausen Sand, way yes Sandhausen a sexy 442 Sandhausen physical <laughs> way I think you're the first person that has mentioned the word sexy and Sandhausen in one sentence maybe they'll go on a sexy run and surprise everyone and and Mike will be right they won't get relegated this season you can quote me on that definitely <laughs> they, they, they won't they, they've finally done it they finally got the kind of mediocrity uh, like diluted version of themselves out and I think this is a very good way to kick them into gear because of that 4-4-2 system it should work well with um, Kato Roel and they have Testeroy too. I don't see them playing together. I think he'll swap them both with um, Charleston Benshop. But they're all over 30. They're all over 31. <laughs> Which I went through their squad and I was like, okay, I'm not going to forget their names this time. But they're all over 30. And then I was like, okay, he relies on fast wingers. And I can't tell you if S Fine is still quick on the right wing anymore. I know Anasua, him should still be, but that's a lot better. You can al already see the kind of tactics and structure they can put out and beat teams. It might not be pretty, but it it's definitely a lot better than what Ingolstadt have. 
I don't know what Holstein Kill's gonna do. I don't know what Hansa Rostock's gonna do. I think Hansa Rostock's kind of accepted their fate. <laughs> um, I don't see them as a team that might change anything. They're just like, we're a new promoted team. We're just gonna deal with what comes to us. So I think our, especially Sandhausen, they'll, they should be able to get out of that hour maybe because of these changes too. Now, Mike, Andre Schubert, he has a bit of a past at the Melantor. He actually was part of a documentary during his time at the Melantor, which is called Trainer. I think it used to be on Netflix, if it still is. Please do watch it and uh, watch Andre Schubert being a bit of an idiot. But what are your thoughts on Andre Schubert? I really think he is a good trainer and his issues with I think more or less all the clubs in the past have been not the trainer part but the part of leadership and this is every time I think well he must have learned that and he will improve on that part and every time he proves me wrong so I'm quite curious how he will manage that for his next chapter so what you're basically saying is that he would probably make for a good assistant at you know a mid-table Bundesliga club where he doesn't take the leading role because he knows his stuff on the football pitch but being that leader it comes with so many other responsibilities and those responsibilities he isn't necessarily up to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> at St. Pauli they, they realized those issues at a certain moment and then they brought in if I'm not totally mistaken, Fabian Boll as a co-trainer to, or it was Andre Trulsen, I'm not sure anymore, um, but, but someone who should um, build a team as a co-trainer because the trainer was not able to do that. And um, yeah, I think this says everything. And again, I'm quite curious how this will work out fine. But coming back to your question, um, what would be a team that I might see having problems at least? Let's talk about Werder, because um, <laughs> they need to play against Heidenheim this week. They do. I don't see them to win. Oh, then it's, they it's go a 2G, to Darmstadt. 2G audience, man. It's it's going to be different with the 2G, man. It's it's going to motivate the players. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, this is not it. Yeah. That, that might be two goals for Heidenheim, probably. 2G stands for two see. goals for Heidenheim. Then they need to go... <laughs> yeah. Then they go to Darmstadt... Then they go to Sandhausen, then they will play against us, then they go to Nuremberg, then they go to Schalke. I don't see any points in all those matches. What? Not a point? Maybe in Kiel they will get a draw. <laughs> But that's end of November. So that's a crisis. Yeah, that, that definitely would be a crisis. I'm, <laughs> I, you know, I'm... Uh... I'm not quite there yet. I'm not as doom and gloom as I was on match day 31 of last season. Uh, having said that, the team hasn't necessarily gelled well so far. And the last couple of matches have... I think the match against Hamburg was sort of an excusable misstep given the circumstances. Christian Gross not really having his head screwed on. Very tight decisions going against Werder. So it was a bit of an unlucky day. But but yes, the match against Dynamo Dresden was uh, probably one of the most dreadful performances I've seen from a Werder side in the last couple of years. And that's, that's saying something because there have been quite a few. So yeah, I mean, you could 
I mean, if that's the team we're putting out there, week in and week out, yeah, we are, we are going to be in trouble. But I think that the quality of the squad and the quality of the first 11, when at its best, is there to, to at least be in the top half of the table. Come on. I feel a little bit sorry because the data is more on your side, on Verda's side. It was an awful match. I don't want to watch two Dinamo Dresden games in a row again. They're playing, <laughs> they are playing absolutely terribly. I'm not sure how they're winning. I mean, one, I think their style of football will get found out soon. I'm not sure how it hasn't been found out already. They just push for second balls and then try and run. It's, I don't even think the ball is on the ground much in their games. It, it's terrible. I, I thought they would be one of the clubs before this game week that could drop into chaos mode because they lost a few pretty quickly. Losing to a 10-man Darmstadt was, <laughs> was... That was awful. It was just awful from them and it didn't look like any distinguishable football at all. If you're getting run around by Darmstadt with 10 men, it, it was disgusting. But after that game against Bremen, then they're further up. I don't think they'll lose as many points as the other teams down there. There are the chaotic teams, though, that I don't get spoken about is Hanover. Mm. They brought in the season Kirk and Hinterseer Dame, Bayer, I know a few of those online, and they paired that with a coach with no experience in the three league or second league. And their approach should be more stable. I don't know what they're trying to do on the pitch, which is alarming. They're very inconsistent, though they still manage to win games, which I'm surprised at. It's no fault to Jan Zimmerman that what's happening on the pitch there is the tip of the iceberg and it doesn't really come out as much. Everyone can see that their team is on in chaos, but the team themselves don't see it. It starts with the structure and Martin Kind at the top of the club and the board members who oppose him blocking manager votes and it, it doesn't scream leadership there. I can definitely, we talked about if Verdo or Schalke would become the new 1860 Munich or Kaiserslautern, but I think Hanover has a real big danger of turning into that club and dropping down to the City League. Hanover actually played in the uh, in the Regionalliga back in the 90s, uh, which back then was the third tier, actually. So um, they've been there before. They've had a past from the 60s, 70s, 80s in the Bundesliga, and in the 90s it was just uh, one disaster after another. They came out of that when, when they had a really young, exciting team that features the likes of Otto Addo, Gerald Azamor, and uh, Fabian Ernst. So if you want to look at the historic Regionalliga side, that Hanover 96 side from back of, from, from those days, that even featured a young Dieter Hacking, I think, that is a good place to start. Uh, anyways, now that we've mentioned team that could potentially get into crisis and... Uh, Let's not hope it's Verda, please. And Darmstadt, <laughs> although I have a stinky feeling that one might be plunged down by her as well. But that's enough about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's see where we are in two weeks' time. And uh, turning to a team that has delivered the goods. Let's talk about St. Pauli. Two wins since we spoke last, second in the table. Things are looking good for you, Mike, after eight match days. However, 
there's always a bit of an outside noise at St. Pauli, and, and these days uh, most of that noise comes from something called Pimmelgate. So, Mike, what, what is Pimmelgate all about? Yeah, fantastic that we have the chance to talk about this. <laughs> um, before I start with the content, a short German lesson. Most of you will probably know that Pimmel is a slang word for penis, more or less like dick in English. Some background information. We do have a social democratic and green government in Hamburg for a few years now. Unfortunately, they are not that left in their politics as many of us would prefer them to be. So one among them is Andy Grote, responsible for security and sports in Hamburg and unfortunately also a member of the FC St. Pauli. This caused some fury already in the past, his involvement in the G20 police riots, uh, as well as in police behavior on football fans in Hamburg in general, that led to protests. Many of us want to exclude him from the club. Uh, nearly everyone would like to see him quit his membership. So if he does that by himself, that would be the preferred option, of course. Yeah, in addition, while the restrictions for the public at the beginning of COVID-19 were quite strict, Grote hosted a private party and didn't care that much on the legal restrictions that he invented himself. So, which of course caused some additional bad publicity on him. Okay, having said that, let's get to the point now. Grote tweeted in May about some young party people who didn't follow his orders, called them ignorant and stupid. Well, you might do that, but it doesn't look that brilliant if you have done a similar thing yourself in the past. <laughs> so one Twitter user, also the barman of a quite famous FC St. Pauli pub, tweeted, you are such a dick, or du bist so ein Pimmel in German. Well, that's an insult and hate speech in the internet, is a serious topic, but there might be more important tweets and harsher insults to look at. So nevertheless, he, filed, uh, he and the Grote filed charges against that Twitter user, the guy admitted the tweet at the police station and normally that should be it, right? Uh, but no, a few weeks later, the police showed up at 6 a.m. at the private apartment with a search warrant to confess the device on which the tweet has been made. Full stop. To make things worse, it was not even the correct address because he did not live at his ex-wife's apartment anymore. <laughs> So this is how Pimmelgate came up, because this is definitely an overreaction from a politician who has the power to do so, although he's not in direct control of the police and stated later on that this was not his decision to go for that search warrant, um, but he defended the action, nevertheless, because he said, hate speech, well, that's something terrible and we must act on that. Yeah, I mean, you are a bit of a dick as a white man if you think that you being called a dick amounts to such a great insult that you need to have the police go after one man in such a fashion because i mean let's be honest here there's a lot of crime on the streets of hamburg one internet user calling you a bit of a dick is probably not the place where the police should you know put its resources which are rather limited now that Fabian Ball has quit. Yeah. So, but but are you, are you surprised by how the authorities reacted to just one tweet? I mean, it's over the top, isn't it? Well, no, obviously, at least from Andy Grote's point of view. But yes, in general, so insults and hate speech, 
what do you think of if you hear these words? So I think of racial or sexual abuse, probably, uh, but a white and male politician that has been called a dick in a tweet. Whoa. So we have a very fine German word for that. It's Verhältnismäßigkeit, and this means more or less the principle of proportionality and in my point of view this has been definitely gone out of proportion so uh yes it's it's totally overreacting and uh so if if all our listeners uh take a look at the zoo zampoli twitter account he is just collecting money on paypal to go uh for the legal actions that he might need to take in the next couple of weeks Wow. Uh, yeah, definitely check that one out. Um, and, uh, you know, I have to say, I mean, we all are sort of like working within sports journalism or on the words of sports journalism. And when, you know, when I see female football writers, for instance, this kind of shit they get on Twitter, which is far more severe in many cases, or presenters who are, you know, uh, broadcasters who are of color. Like, uh, what, what was her name? Uh, the broadcaster from the BBC who uh, was uh, taunted for, for the way she pronounced her words because it was not, it was not posh enough for, for one lord. Was it Alex Scott, maybe? Yeah, it was, it was Alex Scott. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and when you see the kind of shit these people are getting, and uh, I don't think the police has ever done anything in regards of those tweets. And those are not only hateful, they often feature violent sexual contents and uh, you know i mean the police is going to have to do an awful lot of dick amounts to you know such a great insult that you have to go for the full police right and get out the swat team every time somebody tweets that because uh, in the city of hamburg you probably have to have at least a couple of hundred raids every day going forward yep they had 12 this year <laughs> where they visited someone so I'm pretty sure that the word dick might be tweeted, I don't know, 12 times in 10 minutes, probably. <laughs> so, yeah, we can do the math. All right, uh, now it's time for me to be a bit of a dick because I have to stop this riveting discussion right here and right now and tell you that it's time to take a break, after which we'll be back to talk a little bit about Lock Leipzig. There are few cities in Germany that have such a chaotic history when it comes to their football clubs as Leipzig. We all know about RB Leipzig and that what is actually fairly simple. Evil capitalist empire comes along, takes a club, turns it into a marketing tool to sell more disgusting soda, which tastes like gummy bear puke. And that's the end. However, for, for the rest of the uh, city, it isn't all that easy to keep sort of an overview of how these clubs have come into life and where the current teams actually come from. Uh, so on one hand side, we have PSG Chemie, which uh, with a history full of chaos, and we won't go into that today. But let's talk about Lok Leipzig, the, the other team that are still there from, from the olden days. And they are currently on the verge of swallowing up a club by the name of VfB Leipzig. But that isn't the sort of club fusion where one club just takes over a much smaller team. 
So, Mike, can you explain what is going on here and why this is actually significant enough that, you know, a fourth tier side taking over a small team being national news? Yeah, well, to discuss that in detail, I think we might need to have two or three hours. <laughs> yes. uh, so I don't want to make it too complex here, but um, VFB Leipzig is a club with, or Leipzig as a city is a club with a huge football history. And VFB Leipzig was the first German champion in 1903. After World War II, all sports teams in the former GDR were erased. And among the new founded clubs, Lokomotive Leipzig was, or Lok Leipzig, was the most popular one in Leipzig and was the one that followed the VFB Leipzig. When the wall fell, many teams were renamed. So it was VFB Leipzig again. And uh, they started in the second Bundesliga and after two years they even went up to the first league, but only for one year. And for four more years they followed to go through the second Bundesliga and after that they went straight down and in 2004 they went bankrupt. And some departments of the sports club, so as you might know, most sports clubs in Germany are not only football so they have more departments and some of these departments, like for example the women football team, which also played in the second Bundesliga at that time, they were able to continue and they went to Lok Leipzig again. So you might wonder why Lok Leipzig? Yes, Lok Leipzig. Um, this was a fan-based club that was founded in 2003. And so now... Yeah, Lok Leipzig plays again some leagues higher up in the Regionalliga at the moment. They are quite successful and now they want to merge with VFB Leipzig again. So it's basically the Phoenix Club swallowing up the mothership, basically. And I mean, and Mike is right, we could talk about club history in Leipzig, just, you know, the different names and how these clubs have been structured over the years for hours and hours and hours without actually mentioning any of the football they've played. Because it's a really complicated topic, but I think I found a map of how the current Lok Leipzig side has come to be, which I'm, I just might throw up on our Facebook page so that you can see how chaotic it has actually been because, you know, we have to go all the way back to 1888 and... Uh, yeah, there is a lot of naming, renaming, and, you know, two different sides going along, being merged, and yes, it's a messy thing that is going to make your head explode if you want to understand it. So, um, probably going to post that to help you out. Um, so, anyways, some of you might think that having a club that was founded by fans is a great thing, but... What should we make of the Lok Leipzig fans? Does the club have a bit of a blind side on the right eye, as the Germans would put it? Yeah, you can't deny that. So um, I think it's always a little bit difficult to talk about that as a St. Pauli fan because we are sitting here in our bubble. Everything is great. We have no problems with racism. Uh, we, we might have from time to time some minor issues with sexism. But more or less, at least taken into account that we are still a football club, we are living more or less in paradise. So it's always really difficult to say this club is not handling their issues in the correct way. But Lok Leipzig, they are definitely on totally on the other end. But one thing that struck me when we said, well, we're basically in a bubble, but you guys actually fought to be in that bubble, didn't you? I mean, it wasn't always like that in the 70s and 80s, was it? 
or especially the 90s. Yeah, but, but I joined St. Pauli in the mid of 90s. So that's, that fight has already been made. I know some guys who fought at that time in the, at the end of the 80s. And of course, it's always an ongoing fight, fight to keep it that way. But I know many St. Pauli fans who are St. Pauli fans now and they come to this club two or three years ago and now they say, hey, everything is fine, we are so great and Leipzig and Dresden and Hansa Rostock, they should all get their shit straight and why don't they throw out the Nazis and so on. And I don't like that because it's really easy to say that from our perspective and it's really, really difficult to fight for that at these clubs that I just mentioned. For example, I know some really, really great people at Hansa Rostock, at Dynamo Dresden, Uh, who who do a great job and and fight against these Nazis, but of course it's so difficult there because they are the minority. Uh, uh, no, I don't say that. Uh, they are not the minority, but uh, the, there are more people uh, fighting against them, and so it's really difficult. And there might be a few people who also fight for that at Lock, but I don't see that many, to be honest. But yeah, Jasmine, wouldn't you say that it's all about the clubs actually coming out in support of the people fighting for these issues? Because, I, I, you know, I seem to remember that uh, at Chemnitz FC a while ago, there were actually a group of guys starting a Chemnitz FC uh, fan club for diversity, and they basically got threatened out of the stadium, and the club just went, mm, don't care. Yeah, and this is the thing. There might be portions of fans fighting against it, But you're gonna come up is against stuff like that when you're threatened at the club, especially when it doesn't reflect the values of a good part of the same club. And there are definitely ways that clubs need to also stand up with these people, and they don't. We've seen quite a lot of quite a lot of bad stuff happen in the Dresden side. I mean, when they got promoted not even a loss promoted of last season there was that basically rioting on the streets and no one really took responsibility of that a journalist was seriously harmed in that and no one really took any notice of that at all and um that can be overwhelmingly hard if you're one of those people trying to fight for change and you're trying to fight for equality and especially in let's say the parts that voted AFD in its majority in the election then you kind of know what kind of audience you're up against and why would the club side against that kind of audience really as much as we love clubs and clubs that we support there are Things that they will do for the majority of their crowd or a good part of their crowd and not getting political about these things, even though it, it, they should be. So, yeah. I mean, we had the, had the discussion about how political clubs should be able to get about these things when we talked about that Tepe jersey the other week. And, um, you know, to, to remind you, Tepe was trying to put uh, the name of a foundation that was fighting right-wing violence on their jerseys, which, um, you know, they didn't get to do because according to the local football association that is handling their division, 
that is too political and might insult some people. But, you know, as, as an employer of uh, people from all around the world, and that is basically what football clubs are, the pure racism that you sometimes encounter in certain parts of German football, I mean, shouldn't you have an obligation to defend your players at least against this sort of thing? Yeah, I, I think no one in this round will disagree. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we might invite someone from the... Not Ostdeutsche Football Association, uh, but <laughs> it won't be helpful. So <laughs> let's keep it that way. <laughs> I mean, to Tennis Borussia, I don't know if you've seen that, but they actually found a brilliant way around this. Um, they actually have the name of the kebab shop that was uh, attacked during the Hallo, Hallo terror attacks. And it's reopening and, and that's that's who this, the kit sponsor is. And there's basically... A bank account or something or some some sort of uh, charity or uh, mission on on that uh, jersey now that would allow the the owners of that kebab shop to reopen after the Halle terror, which uh, actually killed many many people. I mean, um, yeah, it, w it was a terrible gun attack by a right wing lunatic um, in Halle. Anyways, turning back to Log Leipzig, I'm completely gone off script and completely gone off track here, but um, they, they made some more news. Uh, this one was probably meant to be a bit of a fan pleaser by them, but it went terribly wrong. So, right now in Germany, the authorities differentiate between events that are either 2G or 3G. And, I mean, Mike, just quickly explain, what, what does 2G or 3G stand for, for those who don't know? Yeah, like we heard on Friday, it will be 2G, two goals for Heidenheim. <laughs> but, in fact, we do make another German lesson. So, G, each G stands for either genesen, geimpft or getested. So, recovered, vaccinated or tested. And uh, 3G means that all these three groups are allowed to do something. For example, go into a stadium. 2G is more restrictive as this excludes the people who are not vaccinated or recovered. So uh, 3G includes the tested people. Health experts say that this 2G is the best way to control the pandemic at the moment if you want to continue with big crowds because even if there is an infected person in that crowd with 2G, it will probably do less harm to the others. But we are a football podcast, not a vaccination podcast, so I won't go more into detail, but let's put it this way. 2G is, of course, more restrictive, but it is the best option at the moment, at least from the, option, uh, the opinion of most experts. In Canada, I think they actually have 1G audiences, which means that uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if you've recovered, you also have to have had your vaccinations in order to be uh, able to attend a full house, packed stadiums and such. And uh, we are, yes, we are not a vaccination podcast, but I'm a nurse and I'm going to tell you right now, if you haven't gotten your shot yet, get on it bloody well quickly. Do so right now. Anyways, so... Locke decided that they're not going with a 2G model, which is perfectly fine. It's their choice, fair enough. So, so far, we're not really talking about a scandal, even though it's a bit weird, given that 2G allows you to um, actually get a bigger audience. But that mystery was solved when they took to Twitter and um, wrote, quote, 
Lock Leipzig doesn't use the 2G rule. Football there to unite people. This wonderful sport is there for everyone. It doesn't matter which nationality, color of skin, religion or vaccination status a person has. So my head exploded after reading these lines. Um, did yours? In anger, yes. <laughs> I mean, one is clearly I mean, not like the other, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't know why it has to be shouted at that vaccination status is a choice and the other's not. Okay, there's an argument with philosophy about choice on religion, but race, sex, gender, disability, that is not a choice. And vaccination is, is, it is. And before I go even more insane, also your own sex, gender, race does not Try and kill another person <laughs> is just just a bit into layman's terms. Doesn't try and kill. This is a this is a pandemic, and if people don't get their vaccination after this podcast, I will find them and beat them up. I think you should have added that onto your timeline. You don't want a small girl with me with a very loud voice to tell you to get vaccinated. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it was very stupid, especially in the part of the world that Leipzig is in, to liken that with something that is not your choice. And especially um, with race, it's definitely not the right words for a football club to be saying that. And I don't know who needs to remind them and put them in their place that it, it's not a choice. And we, uh, yeah, you can tell how stupid it is from that alone. And the, is the tweet still up? Does anyone know? Is it still up? I'm pretty sure because it was uh, highly uh, appreciated by their supporters. But let me have a look. And again, so it, it's catering for the audience of your club more than anything else. Yeah. And, and uh, sadly, that's the way it's going to be unless you know local governments start to say no we're actually going to make it law to be only 2g but i don't see that happening because i'm slightly different opinionated that people should have a choice to be vaccinated i do not believe in that in such a viral disease basically and the and the amount it can affect other people and this is kind of a thing that people have Forgotten that it's I, not just yourself. I think I think you should have a choice, but uh, I mean, you given given the choices you take, you should also be entitled to the consequences. Yeah, I think I think my kind of thinking is along that line, and the fact that we Germany hasn't really had that many consequences for not being vaccinated. I I, I guess you could say you it shouldn't be mandatory, but if you don't do those things, you should basically be stripped of all your social rights well not all of them uh, i mean you should be able to go voting and such but um i, I think um I, th I think that i mean given the vaccination status here in scandinavia we've i mean denmark norway we've opened up i mean there's no no g's i mean we can just pack out stadiums without showing any corona certificate we don't use corona certificates anymore unless we want to go traveling here in norway which is great and you know last last saturday actually um 
all of Norway opened up, and suddenly the you know the meter that that we needed to keep it disappeared. It disappeared into the night, and everybody was out dancing. And uh, yeah, um, maternity wards the nine months from now are probably going to be very busy. And you know, I think with with a higher vaccination rate and the vaccination rate that Germany is currently nearing, uh, you are going to be able to get to that point. Even though there are a few idiots who haven't decided to get vaccinated, but uh, the argument is that okay, it was their choice. If they catch COVID and they get severely ill, they've had a choice, and that's the one they've taken. And they're not going to be a burden on the healthcare system once we've gotten to a certain level of vaccination. But, anyways, we're not a vaccination podcast. Probably needs to be um, drilled into our heads more. Yes, yes, it's 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 not a vaccination podcast. So let's um, let's you know leave leave our exploded heads behind. And uh, Mike, Mike, just just get us quickly back to football and t- tell us about you the ground hopping advice that you're going to give to us today. First of all, let me up. The tweet is still there. God. Just to to end that story. Yeah, I found a place I visited, I think, last year in the summer. And it's a really, really great ground. It's called the Paulshöhe in Schwerin. And the thing, because I would like you to see that, is it might disappear in the near future. Uh, it's the place of or the, the ground of Dynamo Schwerin. They play, I think, in the Oberliga, so even one league below the Regionalliga. It might be, um, let's put it this way, a club which political views are closer to Lok Leipzig than to St. Pauli, probably, <laughs> to put it this way. But they have a very special thing, which I to be honest, have not seen on another ground in Germany up to now. The What's Ersatzbank in English? I'm sorry. Substitute bench. The substitute bench. Thank you. The dugout. <laughs> the substitute benches are on both sides. So one is on each side of the middle line. <laughs> For home and away, they are on different <laughs> sides. I have never seen that in any other ground. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't heard about that either. So, and this is really exceptional. Uh, apart from that, they it's a great ground, really, really old, old stands, a very small fence out of, I don't know what, what material, something, some, some metal, but you can just step over it and be on the uh, pitch. So it's, it's really, really great. Of course, you might not want to go to the homestand, uh, but uh, just take a seat uh, on the side and you will enjoy that match, I'm pretty sure. And uh, sorry, well, one thing I forgot, uh, the reason why it might disappear, they are arguing on that uh, for a few years now. They would like to shut the whole place down and build up some houses and so on. Uh, same discussion as in many other places. And of course, the supporters of Dynamo Schwerin, they are fighting against that. There is an initiative collecting signatures and so on. And it, it, I, I think one or two years ago, they lost But now there's a new government and they brought up that discussion again and now they are discussing it again and it it might stay, but it also might disappear. So not solved at at the moment. What beer are they serving at that ground? I don't know. So (laughs) I need to pass on that. Oh, you... I was there with my son, so of course I drank cola. Cola. Ah, well, that... Was it Vita Cola, by the way? Um, Probably not. Oh, they went for the capitalist stuff. 
shocking. Anyways, Schwerin is not that far away from Rostock and Kiel, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, correct. Uh, so um, if you want to make a weekend out of it, get a bit of Bundesliga 2 action and uh, see a ground which substitute benches on both sides of the middle line. This is the place to go. Uh, thanks, Mike. Uh, I'll I'll try to put up some pictures on our Facebook page, uh, letting you see the, all the magic that is the the pelter. And uh, what a great note to end on. Um, so this is it for another edition of Talking Football Extra Aufstieg Edition. Hope you enjoyed it, um, guys. Where can the good folks listening to our podcast find your work, and where can they find you on Twitter? Yep, you can find me on Mike Kru on Twitter or might be easier to just follow the Milan tone. Jasmine? Um, you can find me on Twitter, Jasmine underscore BH1, where I'm not normally talking about getting vaccinated. <laughs> I'm, more f- I'm, I'm more football, I promise. Maybe you should. I promise. <laughs> I, uh, okay, maybe I lied. Maybe I lied for the followers. But you can find me um, by work on there. We obviously have a few bits going out on the Talking Football this week. Mm, yes, we do. Um, and yeah. yeah, and all about vaccinations. <laughs> I mean, if you want to see Jasmine get her measles shot, follow her on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, anyways, you can also hear her uh, talk about uh, FFB's tactical setup on our Patreon page. Uh, you can do that right now, uh, three bucks a month, and you'll get loads and loads and loads of extra material. Later on this week, Jasmine will give you her list of promising under-21 Bundesliga 2 players worth following. That is also going to be on Patreon, so make sure to sign up for your dose of extra Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2 material over on Patreon. You can find me, Nick Wiltagen, on Twitter at Normusings. You can find the podcast at Talking Foosball. Make sure to send us your feedback and thoughts about the shows that we are producing over there. We always love to hear from you. Next up on this feed are the Fantasy Boys, who will guide you through all the tough fantasy choices that you have to make. This podcast will be back in two weeks' time, and and I'll be back in one week talking about all things by Leverkusen with Eric Brühl from the Leverkusen podcast. Until then, it is goodbye for now. Bye.